Welcome to Coaching Confidential, a podcast by baseball coaches as we bring you inside the game. The podcast will take you behind the scenes in college and minor league baseball. Lou Bernardi and George Carroll were college teammates and went on to play and coach on the next level. Bernardi has coached at the Division 1, 2, and 3 levels and is currently the pitching coach at the United States Merchant Marine Academy. Carroll went on to play professionally and is now a catching coach in the minor leagues. Here are your hosts, Lou Bernardi and George Carroll. George Carroll, what's going on, brother? Back on another episode here of Coaching Confidential. How's it going down in sunny Florida? It's good, sweet Lou. We just had a cold front, man. It's like went from like 96 to like 86. It's a big deal. Tough life down there, huh, brother? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Could be worse. What we got today, Lou? So, look, look, a lot of playoff – it's playoff baseball right now. So, it's fun, you know. We're having a good time. We're finally getting to see – the season come to an end and you know I'm, i've been watching a lot of these games and, and i'm realizing something that's so significant and so important and i feel like we should discuss it tonight because we go and recruit we go and watch games and people think it's only about hitting and catching and fielding and throwing but there's a whole loss component of the game of baseball that you really see in the postseason really dissected And you can really see the importance of this. And I think if we can start teaching what we're about to talk about tonight at the young level, the amateur, the youth level, okay, it's really going to help these kids excel in their baseball careers. And what I'm talking about is is just base running because you can go 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. You can make three errors in the game but you can still make an impact in your team's ability to win by base running. So let's dive in and let's talk about the importance of base running and let's make sure everyone listening tonight realizes that every day you show up to the ballpark, your legs come with you. Well, first of all, let me just say base running is you'll probably agree. With this is one of the most underrated and undervalued um, things, man. Like, especially in today's game, because like you said, everyone relies on the big hit you know, everybody relies on the big pitch, but no one ever really dives in the base run. So um, base running can win and lose games, man. And it doesn't take much to be a good base runner, right? Because as a good base runner, what's the number, one of the number one rules that you always teach your kids, especially at the youth level? It's the hustle, man. Like you, it, base running doesn't take talent. Yes, there's things you need to be talented in to be a good base runner, but hustling, is, I feel like being hustling and being aggressive um, – is important because it shows fearlessness and um you know it's it gives kids an opportunity to shine you know if they don't get that big hit if they don't you know make that big play if they just get on base just getting on base can you know help your team win obviously that's how you score runs i mean you know one of the and let you talk about hustle right there's like a notion that's incorrect that Guys who are fast are good base runners, and it's so it's so not the case, right? Not the not true. I was I'm not fast, but I always thought I was a decent base runner because I was heads up most of the time. I'd say like ninety eight percent of the time. I mean, that's Pete, all it takes. Pete, right? Pete Rose stole how many bags? I don't even know, but he was considered one of the best base runners of all time. The guy actually wasn't that fast when you look at his sixty time and measure it up against everybody else. He wasn't lightning speed. He wasn't a 6'6 runner. Well, no, there's a lot of things that you can make you a good base runner. So one of the things I like to talk to, talk to the kids about when um, 
um, when we talk about baseline, we're talking about our previous episode, we talk about boss. Um, boss is an acronym. It's an analogy. Um, B-O-S-S. So when you're on the base pass, one of the things we always say is, uh, and people have other analogies and acronyms and stuff, but I like boss because when you're on first base, you're on the bases, um, B, always know where the ball is. Uh, o, always know how many outs there are. S, uh, make sure you got your sign. And then the second S is scan the defense, survey the defense, whatever you want to say. So I, I believe that, you know, when you have that little acronym, it's just a reminder of, okay, ball out, sign, um, ball out, sign, scan the defense. But the other meaning of it is, dude, when I'm on the bases, I want to be a boss. I'm the jefe. I want to take control. I want to divert the pitcher's – I want to divert the pitcher's attention away from the hitter and have them put it on me because that actually is going to help my teammate in the long run because if the pitcher's not 100% focused on the hitter, he might make a mistake. He might throw a pitch up, and then my buddy who's up at bat is going to have an opportunity to do damage, right? And one of the other things I talk to the kids about, you know, all ages from youth level to pro level, um, we need to create chaos on the base path, create chaos for the defense. If we create chaos for the defense, that means we put more pressure on the defense. And when you put more pressure on the defense, they're going to make more mistakes because baseball – is one of the only games, one of the very few games where defense actually controls the ball. That's right. No, you're right. So, yeah, so as far as, like, creating chaos and creating havoc on the base path, you know, that's also part of an aggressive mindset. Um, but we have to make educated decisions to be aggressive. But the only way we ever learn to do that is if we make a mistake, right, Lou? <laughs> no, you're right. And, I, you know, edu- you, you talk about educated decisions, and one of the talking points that I really wanted to harp on tonight was – don't only rely on your base coaches because you're the player. You kind of need to feel it. You need to see it. You need to live it. Don't only rely on a third base coach because he might be wrong sometimes. So I think a player has to also also take ownership, right? And we've talked about this a lot, especially with pitch calling and, and that type of stuff. Um, the player has to take ownership. Yeah, we always say players got to take ownership of his career. You know, but a coach needs to be able to be there as a guiding light. And, you know, if you don't practice base running, if you don't practice base running, you're never going to get any good, you know, you're never going to get any good reps. Like the most important reps you're going to get are going to be in a game, you know, and in the game, what's the most important thing? It's at that moment in time is to win, right? To compete. Um, So knowing when to make those decisions um, is I think it comes from experience and maybe watching someone on TV. But the problem is when you're watching games on TV, the only thing they're watching is the ball, the pitcher, the catcher. So you kind of miss out on some of the intricacies of the base run. So, right. Lou, what's the first thing, you know, if we were going to go around the bases, we're yeah, talking let's about do creating, it. Ca- let's creating do chaos, it. So, creating so, havoc. Yeah. When do you so, become a base? When do you become a base runner? Yeah. So before anything starts, any, any successful team has to understand that, any run scoring culture, right? We need to score runs to win the game. There's no arguments there. If you don't score, you don't win. Any successful team, their run scoring culture starts with base running. So we're going to go around the diamond tonight, George, and we'll switch off each bag and we'll jump in and we'll throw our, our insight on each bag. But we, you got to get to first base. So base <laughs> running starts from home to first. And yeah. it starts – Baseball is very simple in this sense. It's a game of inches. We all know that. So the quicker we can get from home to first and beat out, beat out that ground ball to short, right? We're not even talking about turns or base hits or doubles. or We're talking about a hard 90, a hard 90, okay? 
hitting a ball to the shortstop and trying to beat it out by, by a game of inches. Okay. So first things first, you got to run in the straight line so many <laughs> times because the quickest point from A to B is a straight line. So many yeah. times while I go and work with a group and I'll just tell kids to run home to first. And then after I come back and I'll say, why are we zigzagging? There's a line for a reason. Stay on the line. So coaches give your kids that, that, that first little bit of advice is stay on the line. Don't zigzag back and forth. Like you had a couple too many sodas, right, George? <laughs> a couple Coca-Colas. Unless, unless you're the, the home team doing the lines and you want to screw with the and other you kids. Want, you know, you know what, what? That's not a bad idea either. The other thing <laughs> I, I always, I always throw this question out to the, to the groups that I'm working with and it's a trick question. And depending on who you talk to, you might get different answers, but what foot are you supposed to hit the bag with your right Ooh. foot or your left foot? You know, me, and, me, 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 me. You know, and, every, <laughs> and everybody says, Oh, coach said right foot only. You can't, you're not allowed to, if you touch the bag with your left foot, you're going to be out automatically. And I'm, and you know, you watch any big league game, you, whatever foot is in stride, touch the bag with, you know, well, and, and do's and don'ts. Do, so I don't want to interrupt you, but, um, do's and don'ts of, of when you of when you touch the bag. Why, why would I want to touch the front part of the bag, Luke? Well, you have to. And that, and that goes into the third part of just a, a hard 90 running straight through is your baseball is a game of inches, like we said. So if we're running in a straight line, if we're not worried so much about what foot is touching the bag and we're staying in stride, the last part is touching that front part. And if you touch that front part, now your foot doesn't have to travel an extra – inch, two inches, three inches, while your foot's in the air, that ball is going to get in the first baseman's glove. And a lot of time these guys are working on sound. They're going to hear that ball hit the glove before the foot hits the bag. So those are the, those are the main key points just from a hard 90 straight line front part of the bag. Okay. Don't worry about which foot hits the bag, stay in stride. And why don't you take us from that point, what we have to do then after the fact. Yeah. So as soon as you hit that front part of the bag, and another important thing about, you know, front part of the bag is if you, if it's, you know, most of these bags now, uh, most of the, the fields have kind of updated now where they have the bag that's in the ground. You know, um, I know back in the day when we played, sometimes that base would move, uh, but now all pretty much every field has got that in-ground base. So when you hit that front part, um, not only, you know, is it going to stop you from, if you hit the top part of the bag and it's wet, you're going to slip and fall and hurt yourself. You know what I mean? So hitting that front part um, is really important because it also kind of helps break you down because the way the base is actually shaped, I'm going to get in real detail here. Believe it or not, it's kind of puffed up like a little bit of a pyramid. So when you actually hit that front part of the base, the base actually helps you to slow you down. So then the next thing after you hit the base is you have to break it down. And when do you break it down? How far should you go out to break it down? Um, usually we tell guys to break it down uh, towards the cutoff, like, um, uh, towards where the, the dirt meets the, meets the grass for the outfield. It's like a general place to break it down. Um, and then the other thing we, we tell the guys is, you know, as soon as you hit that bag, look to your right, just in case um, it's a wild throw. And then if it's a wild throw, your coach, your first base coach, if he's, if he's good and he's doing his job, we talked about coaching first base the other day, he should be kind of coming up the line with you and kind of judging that throw to kind of give you a visual guide, not necessarily just give you um, um, just a verbal, you know what I'm saying? And then the other thing, when you hit that bag, you're allowed to turn around and go back to the base. You know, if you turn around, you go into fair territory, that's okay. But if you make any, like, any small attempt, 
even looks like you're going to go to the next base, you know, you become a live runner again. So always be, be aware of that. Once you hit that bag, you, you, you break it down, you look to your right, and then you make that decision if it's a wild, wild throw. So, you know, that's one of the things I always tell guys, you know, make sure because a lot of kids don't play on big fields, you know, be able to make a judgment of whether or not you can take an extra base on a wild throw. So, Lou, the next part of it, you know, after all that. Well, I, um, I, got, I, got, I, got, I got one more thing, and then I got a question for you. Oh, I got you. Don't, guys that are running to first, don't jump to try to be safe. Okay, because again, while you're in the air, that ball is traveling. You're better off just staying oh, yeah. on the ground and running. That's another thing. Don't make that extra lunge at the last second. And, oh, Hammy. Yep. And my question for you: You see it a lot. What do you What do you tell your guys who want to slide into first base? It's a good question. So, when you're running to the base, um, when should you pick up the ball? You should when you when you're running out of the box. You kind of have an idea where you hit it. You know, you know, you hit to the left side of the field. After you take like two or three steps, kind of peek your head up and look at where the ball is. And as you're running and getting closer, you can kind of see what the what the ball is going to do. So if the guy makes a wild throw or if he makes it throw up the line um, and, you know, the, the first baseman's coming into your lane and you want to slide to avoid the tag, 100% in on that. But that's that's a – now, that, that takes a little bit of skill and, and talent to recognize that. But other than that, I never want guys sliding in the bag because I, I, I think mathematically and scientifically sliding actually slows you down um, when you're going into first base. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So so congratulations. You got to hit your at first base. Oh, beautiful. Actually, <laughs> okay, so let's say let's say another thing that I really want to talk about, Lou, uh, if you don't mind, um, making a turn at first. Making a turn, and you get a lot of questions about this one. Um, banana or question mark? So I'm from the school. <laughs> I don't like question mark because I think it looks ridiculous when you're running, and then at the last second you're kind of doing like a, a semicircle into the bag. To me, if you know you got a base hit, it's a hit off the bag. I, I'm a big believer, and if you watch guys in the big leagues, they most of them do it this way. You're starting your turn early, and that's how we teach it uh, at the academy. And um, it, for our guys, it's, it gives them better vision of the field, and it also enables them to get back in line. If they are going to go for that double, it gets them back in a straight line to second base rather than that question mark, which is a very difficult turn to make when you're moving full, full speed. You're going to hate me for this, but – I'm a big believer. I'm going to talk a little bit more on this because this is a really important thing to me. Because I remember with Coach Doug when I went to high school, Holy Cross. One of the things I always remember, and I've taken it with me into into college and pro ball and everything, is we always emphasize hitting that inside cornerback, inside cornerback. So one of the analogies I like to use, especially working with kids, is a lot of kids play the game uh, Mario Kart. You know, and on the ground uh, when you're playing Mario Kart, those lines. You ever played Mario Kart when you're a kid? Anyway, when you I still play it. What do you mean? Oh, when there I was you a go. Kid? Come on. So when, so, when you, so when you hit those arrows on the ground, they're the boosters. They zoom. They, they make you fly, right? So the analogy I use is like that base is your booster. And what happens when you're playing the game and you hit that booster wrong? You spin out of control and, and you and you get um, pushed into a different direction or you, you know, roll your ankle or whatever. So if you hit that bag correctly, it's going to act as a speed booster. And like I said, I kind of told you that the base – is actually designed to look like almost like a pyramid. So as you're starting to turn into that turn, two things I like to think about all the time is, is kind of like lean that shoulder in 
and try to force yourself on like a downward angle and hit the inside corner. Now the inside corner isn't necessarily like the edge of the corner of the back. I usually like to say about an inch or two um, to the right of that. And then um, when you hit that inside corner, I always say in order to get the most optimal push off, you want to get the ball of your foot coming down on the edge of the bag so you can actually push yourself and it'll propel you to the next base. And that's why that big turn is important um, because it's going to put you to go back into what you said, um, shortest distance between two points being a straight line, shortest right. distance between you going to first to second um, is going to be that straight line. And hopefully that that nice big uh, turn will put you in a, in a good position to take off to the next base. So yeah. sorry for my little rant on that, but no. I always find that very important. It is important because you know what? You want to hit a double, you got to limit steps and you got to have sharp turns. And I say start your turn early and get back in line. Um, so let's say we got a hit. Okay, let's say we got a hit. You, you, you busted a hard 90. You ran in a straight line. You didn't lunge. You didn't dive. You didn't jump. You didn't slide. You, you hit the front part. Guy called you safe. Let's take us, George, let's take us – Base running, um, leading, and then stealing the bag. What okay, do you got so, for us? So leading, um, there's a different different couple leads that you can do. So um, I like when a guy – we'll talk about right-handed hitter, right-handed pitcher first because there's a big difference between a lefty and a right-hander. So with a right-handed pitcher, I like guys to be on the back side of the bag, like back edge of the bag. Um, depending upon, you know, what you feel comfortable with, I think three – shuffles three and a half you know four shuffles for a guy who's a little quicker um, is a sufficient lead but if you're a guy who's not sure of you know how far you can go um, a one one shuffle off the bag is not going to be it's not going to be helpful for you um, but but for me most important thing I tell guys this, this is another thing I like to tell the guys most important thing for me isn't necessarily the primary lead it's the secondary lead so I'm okay with guys sacrificing sacrificing distance on their primary to create momentum into their secondary. Because if you're what that means is if I'm let's say I'm two and a half steps off the base, but I'm able to be on time and my foot, when I'm taking that shuffle, when my foot lands as the ball's crossing through the hitting zone, now it's going to be easier for me to make a decision of whether or not to go or to retreat. Because my momentum is taking me you know, is taking me to the next base and I, and I can still make a judgment and decision to either jump back or keep going forward. So for me, I'll repeat that again. Um, it's okay to sacrifice distance for momentum into your secondary. So when we're taking that primary lead at first with a run with a right-handed pitcher, uh, back edge of the base, um, never cross your feet. Um, and um, remember when you're getting that secondary lead, uh, make sure you're finishing momentum into that secondary lead. Um, uh, your, your secondary lead doesn't start once the guy lifts his leg. It should – who cares when it starts, but it should definitely finish as the ball is about to is, – is crossing through the hitting zone. You got anything on a primary lead into, into a secondary? Yeah, well, I want to touch upon the primary lead because I do agree with you on, on the sacrificing part of it, but a really good drill because every player should know their what their minimum lead is, okay? And – it's actually very easy to find out. Your minimal lead, okay, should be your body length and a step, okay, because that's just it, taking one step back and essentially laying down, and you're back at the bag. So, 
I actually have a lot of the younger guys do this. I line them all up on the foul line, okay? I tell them, treat that as first base. Lay down, stomach first, with your toes right on the bed. And I want you to reach out with your left arm as far as you can, okay? And I want you to measure off a spot, and then I want you to stand at that spot and take one step more. And I said, whatever distance it is, whether you're six feet or five feet, it doesn't matter. Everyone's going to have different, uh, different number of steps. But now, okay, you know exactly how many steps it is for a body length and a step. And all you have to do is take one step and dive and you're right back at the corner. You got, you got anything, George, for, yes. uh, for some of the younger guys to figure out how big their lead should be? Because, you know, my three steps is going to be different than your three steps. Oh, absolutely. So I like to always try to simulate once we kind of have a grasp and understanding, understanding and clarity for what our objective is in our drill series. Um, like I said, like we, like I talk about all the time, drills are an over-exaggeration um, of movement patterns and situations in a game. So best time to learn your second, your primary lead is during like a live BP session and making sure that the, the pitcher mix in, mixes in a couple pickoffs when you're not expecting it. So challenging yourself and giving yourself like cones. So let's say that you have like a, a five-foot lead, let's call it, you know, five, put a cone by the five-foot lead cone by six feet, seven feet, whatever it is, six, 10, 12, whatever the number is, whatever group or age group you're working with. Um, that's another good drill you can do and you can mix it in and you can have a little fun with it. Cause then you can also turn that drill. Uh, let's say the kid gets caught up really too far out. You can turn that into a rundown drill. So you can do a couple of things like that. So that's, that's where I kind of fall in line with that. And you have anything else about primary leads and secondary leads with a, with a right-handed pitcher? No, let's, let, let, let's talk about stealing the bag here. Let's talk about right-handed pitcher and coach gave you the steal sign. What are we looking for? What are our cues? What are our do's and don'ts? Well, simple. Uh, find what he, what part of his body does he move first when he makes his delivery towards the plate. So let's say like he he drops his back elbow, a uh, back elbow, and that's the first thing that moves. That's going to indicate whether he's going to deliver to the plate. That's when you go. Let's say you know it's that that leg lift with the front foot. Um, that's when you go and talking about like turning and burning. Um, some people talk about the crossover step. Some people talk about the jab step. Some people talk about the, you know, drop your foot back and go. Um, I think whatever works best for the individual is what, and whatever he has success with, um, just allow him to keep doing it. And then if a kid's struggling with uh, getting a good jump, um, with his footwork, then maybe go to the open, um, open stance, little staggered stance, um, turn the foot and cross over. You know, that's something you, you can do. Do you got anything on that? Yeah. So on the, on the pitcher cues, I always tell my guys that don't ever look at something that tells you to go back, right? When we're stealing the bag, okay, our mindset should be one that it's aggressive and I want to move forward. So if we're not stealing, I tell our guys simply just look at the back foot. When it comes up, you go back. But when our guys are stealing, okay, and you, you said whether it's a lean or the hands move first, whatever it might be, whatever triggers that pitcher's motion to actually throw the ball forward, that's what we need to key, on, key in on. So um, we, we need to have the mindset when we're stealing the bag that we're looking for something that tells us to go, okay? And as far as the elbow punch technique or the open stance to the technique, 
The only thing that we really kind of look at is making sure that we're not moving backwards before we go forward. You know what I mean? I, I know a yeah. lot of people refer to it as like the negative step, which, which is a, which is a popular term when it comes to base running experts, whatever that means. They say, don't have a negative step or don't come up too soon. You want to stay low for your first three steps. That's kind of the stuff that we're telling our guys to do. Yeah. Well, that's a good, but yes, I a hundred percent agree with that with the average base runner. Um, but a guy like Ricky Henderson, I'm pretty sure. And I, I've, I've had this conversation with, uh, a couple people. I think Ricky had that negative step before I went forward, but Ricky did what Ricky did. <laughs> so, so Ricky does what Ricky does, whatever but the I, quote is. But I think I think you hit you hit it right on the head. Whatever works for the player, right? Like yeah. baseball is not just like we talk about pitching, hitting, throwing, and everything else. It's not cookie cutter. You know, no. ba- base running can't be cookie cutter either. You know what? No. What do you got off a lefty pitcher? Let's talk about a lefty pitcher. We're stealing the bag. Okay, so lefty pitcher, um, I like guys because the lefty pitcher is staring right at you. So if you're further back, um, you're showing him that um, you he can see your lead a little bit better. So I like guys when they're like actually in line with the front part of the bag to change the depth perception for the pitcher. I know it's only a couple feet, but it actually makes him look like he's actually closer to the bag than further from the bag. So with a lefty, I like guys to take their lead in, um, even with the front part of the bag. Um, with the righty on the back side of the bag. And then um, the, the hard part is the, figuring out that balk move. And uh, we were in the, in, in the, a class A ball this year. They were going to eliminate actually the lefty balk move. So um, base running numbers off lefties were probably going to go up this year. So, But one of the hardest things to do is to steal off a lefty, especially when he hangs. Um, and, um, you know, knowing when he's actually commit to the plate. So, Lou, you're a pitcher. Um, Oh, you're a pitcher, but you're a right-handed pitcher. When you're teaching the pickoff move with lefties, what do you teach them? What are things that we look for as a as a base runner? When we're teaching a lefty pickoff move, well, for the for the base runner to to pick oh, that the, up, right? So I'm looking. I'm telling the base runners back shoulder. If the back shoulder disappears, usually the ball's coming to you. Um, I don't necessarily tell our guys to pay any attention to head looks. Because the good pickoff, the good pickoff moves can look at you and throw to you, or look at you and throw to the plate, and 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 as you go up, they can play with you a little bit. So, back shoulders a cue, okay. If the front knee crosses the back knee at any point, the pitcher has to throw the ball to the plate. Is so it the knee or the foot? I've always had knee. a question about this. It's the knee. Okay. And I'm a professional the, baseball coach that coaches first base. <laughs> you know, I'm asking uh, this question. <laughs> so it's the back I, knee. I always thought it was the front, the back, the, the front I foot. Know. I feel like I could have said a lot of things just now, but let's just move on. All right. <laughs> no, <laughs> All right we're good on it, that. It, it's the knee. If the knee crosses, if the knee crosses, he has to go to the plate. Okay. He can't cross and pick off. Um, okay. One way um, lead. One way lead too. That's the yeah, other thing I want yeah, to hit on. What, yeah, so, what's a one way lead? Yeah, so – and I think it, as a coach, especially I, I would say JV and up. JV and up, if you don't educate your players on a one-way lead, you're, you're, you're doing them an injustice. A one-way lead, okay, we want to see a pickoff move. We have to understand that first. We want the guy to pick us off. We want him to pick us off. And his first movement, essentially what we're doing, is we're already taking a step back to first base, Okay. 
And the whole idea is for the coaches, the first base coach like yourself, especially who doesn't know what he's looking for, okay, to, <laughs> to look to, 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 to find the pitcher's cues, okay? So one-way lead, you might take if – you, if you're three steps, you might take four steps, and you're forcing the guy to pick you off. But in your mind, you're knowing on his first move, we're going back. Okay. Okay, that's good. Um, last thing I want to talk about this, because this, I know this, we're spending a lot of time on this, but when you're not the runner, the lead runner at first base, how big should you, how big should your lead be, and how far? What's the furthest point you should go if the if the first baseman's in front of you, or yep. if the first baseman's behind you? Yeah. So if the first baseman's behind you, this is a great question because we were actually just talking about this the other day. It comes to scouting reports too. Is the catcher? Is he got a live arm? Is he going to throw behind runners? If he's not, then you could take a little bit of an extra step. You know, a guy like you, you always threw behind runners. So when all the time. So so first and second, that guy at first really wasn't taking that big of a lead. Um, you could take more of a lead. Usually, what we say, give what the first baseman gives you. However far he is, you can go with with within reason. Of course, you know you're not going yeah. fifty feet off the bag. That that's. That's not um, that's not realistic. But if you're if you're a four step guy and the guy is playing really deep, you could be a five and a half step guy. Um, I got you. And what I tell our guys is anything five and a half to six, okay, you got to be able to beat out a ground ball at the second base. I got you. Yeah, because I, I tell guys uh, sometimes I tell them if the guy's in front of you, don't go further than the body length than his le- his right shoulder because right. If, if it's less than two outs and he catches it, you know, we still want to have – even if it's hit to your left, we still want to have an opportunity where we can get a beat on the guy potentially to maybe be safe and not get doubled up. Right. And um, then I got I got one more thing for you, and then let's move on to, to another base. Um, right first base. And this, this, this applies to actually being at first base and second base. So this is a good segue up 90 feet. Talk about dirt ball reads off of first – and then jump right into second base dirt ball reads. Okay, so I have a chart. Things that I value most about base running, um, if from a from a base running perspective, number one on my chart is dirt ball reads. I call them DBRs, dirt ball reads, DBRs. So I have a chart of like five things: dirt ball reads, first to third, um, first to third, second to home, um, things like that. Those are stolen bases. You know, things like that. Those are things that, you know, I we value, I value. So most important for me is a dirt ball read because as a catcher, the hardest play for me to make is to block it, get up, recover, set my feet, and throw your ass out of the base. That's the hardest play for me to make as a catcher. So if we can take advantage of a dirt ball read, um, money, you know, money in the bank, right? But when do you take advantage of a dirt ball read? What's the most important things to look for? Um having a feeling, an idea of what pitch is coming. If it's a breaking ball, fastballs are hard to steal off in the dirt. Um, you know, cause sometimes they might get picked. It uh, might be deep fastballs that pick them, whatever, but you can kind of see the loop on that breaking ball. And then you want to pick out like a point in front of the plate. And I don't mean like in front of the plate plate. I mean like between the cutoff of the grass and the dirt kind of pick up, put a visual there in your mind of once you see some depth of that pitch, um, having an idea of when you can actually take off, if that makes sense. So dirt ball reads, if you can time it right, having that good momentum in your secondary, dirt ball reads are, you know, are very valuable because I always say a dirt ball read can, it's just a free base, you know, if you read it correctly. 
you're not taking a risk of, uh, of you know, you versus the pitcher and the catcher. You're recognizing a pitch that's in the dirt um, and you're taking advantage of going to the next base. So and that next base, let's say our first base um, is going to be second base. So Lou uh, leads at second base. Do you have a thing where they're one out, no outs, two outs? Is there a specific time and place to be? in a certain spot when taking your lead at second base. Yeah. So it all varies in my opinion. Like you said, it, whether or not, if you're stealing the bag um, or any base dealer whatsoever, I try to keep them in line. I know a lot of times everyone says, push the shortstop back, create a better angle to score on a hit. I get that. But for guys that, cause I like stealing third base. I'm not going to lie. And I actually think it's an easier bag to steal than second. So yeah. if, if, if it's a green light runner, um, Maybe he's maybe he's two back, six across, um, one back, six across. If it's a red runner or a yellow runner, maybe he's four or five back, three or four across. So, you know, it does vary on, on the personnel. Um, it does kind of vary on the situation. You know, two outs, you want to try to create that angle where you're going to you're hitting you're hitting stride, like you said, right away getting to that third base inside corner, pushing off and trying to score. Yeah. But it, it's usually in that two to four range back and anywhere from four to seven across. And then as the pitcher delivers the pitch, coming back into that baseline, okay, coming back into that baseline and getting back into a straight line. Okay, because um, one of the things that when we take that lead, it sometimes is hard for me as a base runner to see – um, to see who's holding me on, if there is anybody holding me on. With two outs, probably no one's really holding you on unless it's late in the game and you're like an important run. Um, but early in the game, they're probably not going to hold you on too much because they're trying to more focus on getting you out and not sacrificing ground for you who's already on base, if that makes sense. Especially if there's a right-handed hitter up. You know, guys, shortstop might be playing a little bit over in the hole a little more. Um, but when you're at second base – you might you sometimes have to rely on that um, on on your court on your on your third base and first base coach to kind of be your 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 eyes for your backside. Now you can hear things, but your focus is on the pitcher, and you kind of have an idea um, when he's going to pick you off just by his move his moves. You know, being able to time him. Some things that you can look for are head looks. Does he give you one head look? Does he give you two head looks? And then does he deliver? Does he mix up his head looks? You know, that's when you know when you can either steal that base. Um, of when you can get a better lead. Um, so when you're taking that lead and you're trying to steal that base, um, make sure you're counting his head looks before you even get on base. If somebody in front of you gets there, uh, if not kind of have an idea and be aware of that and also be aware of how far they are from you. Um, but when I say how far they are from you, how, how far the middle guys are from you. Uh, so you don't get, you don't get uh backpick or daylight. If that makes sense. Now, Lou, um, ball hit ground ball, uh, hit to the uh, left side of the field. Um, can you kind of go through things that you're going to tell your base runner to, you know, how we're going to advance to the next base, you know, ground ball at you, to your left, to your right. Uh, can you kind of talk about that? Yeah, rule of thumb, anything hit on the ground, right, behind you, you, you advance, okay? Um, at you is discretion. In front of you, you hold. So that that's it's – it's, I think it's a very simple um, formula. Behind you – on the ground, don't get doubled up in, on the line. And, and you, we need to understand that those are some do's and don'ts, that a line drive is is, is freeze, okay? Um, freeze you know, or go back. 
Because yeah, I've heard you say go back. You know, so it's funny because in the outfield, right? And and we're getting a little bit off topic here, but it's okay. Sorry. Outfielders, when when people say ball is hit, first step back, I actually question whether or not that's true. Because I actually think the first thing an outfielder does is freeze, freeze and 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 react, not necessarily go back. So from yeah. a base running standpoint, it's not always go back, go back, go back. To me, it's freeze, react, and then assess the situation. Um, because if it now, if that base hit goes, if that line drive towards the second baseman, in fact, goes through and is a hit, if we're running back to second, you're not scoring on a hit. But if you yeah. freeze, okay, if you freeze – you still probably can get back to the bag, but now we're, you're giving us a better shot to score a run. So that's, that's, that's how, how we kind of do it. Um, look, a lot of people will say, Alfield, balls hit to you, first step, automatically back. And a lot of guys will say, line drive, automatically, hard step back. I look at it a little differently. Yeah, because when we talk about – so one more thing just to reiterate, ground ball at you or to your left, go – ground ball to your right, evaluate if it gets through into the hole, and retreat back. Yes. Uh, now we're going to talk about, let's say when we get to third base, or before we get to third base, on a hit and run, Lou, what do you tell your guys about line drives, ground balls, fly balls, hit and run? All right. Give me so, hit and run. So first things first, on a hit and run, if you ever get picked off on a hit and run, you should be benched for a week. Okay? <laughs> picked off uh, by the pitcher, correct? Picked off. Pitcher or catcher? Pitcher. No, pitcher. Pitcher. Okay. If if the pitcher picks you off on a hit and run, okay, you should just you should just take yourself out of the game. And the reason <laughs> I'm saying that is because the whole point of a hit and run is for the pitcher to throw the ball and the hitter to hit the ball. Okay. okay. It's a it's a straight steal essentially, but it's after the pitcher throws the ball. So that's one thing that drives me crazy is guys getting picked because they're leaving early on a hit and run. The whole point is we want the guy to throw the ball. Okay. Now he throws the ball. Okay. Guy hits the ball. All right. As a base runner, once you hit that five to six set mark, uh, once you started, you got to locate the baseball. Okay. Um, and, and here's where, and I know you teach it the shortstops and second baseman might dummy a ground ball, double play. Meanwhile, the ball's in right center. So you need to find the baseball right away and then pick up your third base coach. Because yeah, he I should know that. where it is too. So if he's waving you and he might be telling you balls up, pointing high, back, 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 whatever it might be, find the baseball on your own and then pick up the third base coach right away. So that's what we teach our guys on a hit and run. And anything hit to center over to the foul line in right field on a hit and run, I'm trying to go first to third. Yeah, and a line drive, low line drive, I always tell the guys just, just keep going because you're going to be doubled up anyway. You're going to get doubled up anyway. That's exactly right. So last thing, uh, last base, talk about third base. You know, I know we touched on a couple of things. I uh, probably missed a couple of things, but whatever, here and there. Um, we're hitting the important things. So talking about third base, and this is a question I get asked on a lot of times when I do these factory events. And um, I've kind of started to go this route, third base, traditional walking lead or doing the same lead you do at first and second. A shuffle, a shuffle or a walking lead? What, what's, your, what's your advice on that? I like walking lead. I think, first of all, um, 
remember a base runner at third base should be taking his lead in foul territory. Yes. Okay. What should he, where should he finish it though? He should, he should come back into the baseline to block the catcher's throw. Okay. okay. But he should start his lead. He should start his lead in foul territory because if he gets hit with the ball, you know, it's a safety thing. Also, if he gets hit with the ball, he's out, but he should be in foul territory. Give him, give him some room. And then as the pitch is delivered, catcher receives it. He should be coming back in the baseline and up the line that way. So that's first and foremost. But to answer your question about a traditional lead or a walking lead, I like the walking lead only because it's going to get our momentum going on a pass ball where we're already in stride, in that sprinter stride, heavy on our dominant foot, ready to go seal that bag. Yeah. Like I said, I like the walking lead because you can time it better. And I told you, I said this uh, uh, about a couple minutes ago, I'd rather you sacrifice distance from momentum into your secondary so you can do a really good job of timing that pitch, uh, being able to get back. So I'll tell you, last two things I got for you here, I'll tell you. So for me as a catcher, when I'm looking to back pick a guy, I'm glad you brought this up about working back into the line. So um, so like I said, for me as a catcher, what I'm looking for um, is I'm looking for daylight. So if you don't close up that that daylight between you and the third baseman, I'm going to try to throw through that window to try to backpick you. So when you when you finish that lead, you know, closing up that daylight is going to make it harder for me to make a throw. Now, the two things when you finish that lead is if your shoulders are square towards me as the catcher, I'm going to try to backpick your ass because I'm going to and I'm going to throw it right at your face because you as the runner, you're going to do one of two things you're going to fall straight down or you're going to get hit in the face. <laughs> so if you fall right. straight down and it goes through you, um, you're on the ground, third base is going to catch it and tag you and you're out. Right. So I'm going to throw, I'm intentionally going to throw it right at your face. If I see you squared up to me. So make sure you keep your shoulders, um, your shoulders facing the infield and your head's on a swivel looking at the, at, at the guy. Now, remember when you treat back um, after the catcher gets the ball, um, take a quick peek, and see where that third baseman is if he's rushing back to third, and then put your head back and, and look at the baseball. Because I've we did this this happened a couple of times. I've seen it in, in games in pro ball, believe it or not, um, where the pitcher, you know, puts the ball in his glove, ties his shoe, doesn't call timeout, and we actually stole home that way twice. Hmm. Uh, another way that we did this too is a pitcher grabbed the ball, um, he got the ball back from the from the catcher, he grabbed the ball and just threw it to the dugout, and we walked right into home. And huh. at pole place was going crazy. Like, what's going on? What's going on? And, um, you know, we still home. The guy never called timeout to ask for a new ball. That happened twice. And the second time it happened, a kid hit a bloop at a right field, um, was safe, all three, literally bases loaded. And the kid who hit a blooper gets the second somehow. And then the pitcher doesn't call timeout, threw the ball in again. And the kid scored all the way from second base. So wow. we scored four runs because the pitcher – just wasn't paying attention and forgot to call timeout. So right. that's that's what I'm looking for as a catcher. Now, the last thing I want to talk about third base, I think this is really important, contact play. There's a difference between going on contact and the contact play. Going on contact means um, see the ball through. Um, see the ball through. You know, if you see like a low chopper, I mean a high chopper, and it's a slow roller, go to third. Um, hey, contact. See the ball through. Uh, once that ball gets through the infield, um, you know, you go. But there's a difference between contact and the contact play. What's the contact play? If a coach tells you to go on, you're going contact plays on, it's going to be done with um, with uh, 
uh, um, it's going to be with with uh, one out, not not no outs, one out. Why with one out? Um, because if I tell you contact plays on and balls hit and you get doubled up, who's that on? Is it on the player or is it on the coach? It's on the coach. I took an educated – I made an educated decision um, saying, hey, no matter where this ball is hit, we need you to try and score. Blah, blah, blah. Go. If you get doubled up, that's my fault. Um, so when you're doing contact play, remember, um, um, you want to do it with one out. Um, obviously, with two outs, you're going on contact. But you never want to do it nobody out because – if you get doubled up and you're the runner on third base, now we still have one more hitter left in the inning. And let's say that guy gets a base hit or something like that. You know, now you're going to feel like crap because you could have still scored a run. So right. remember, when you're doing contact play, uh, one out, uh, not never with, with no outs. So Right. Um, and just to, just to expand on that, um, for everyone listening, we, when we say contact play, it's contact down. So it's not just run forward if there's a line drive or a fly ball. If there's a ground ball, contact down, we're taking the shot. Now, here's here's where we'll end, okay? Sack well, so that's fly. Where, Lou, so, Lou, actually, I'm going to yeah. kind of disagree with you on that one. That's that's why I say there's there's a difference between contact play and contact. So, contact, you're talking about down. But when, if contact play, it's late in the game. I want to try to get that run. Um, if that low-line drive is hit, you know, I'm taking that chance. You know what I'm saying? So, that's what I mean by contact versus contact play. So, I'm 100% uh, agree with you. I, I, where, yeah, where do you feel on that? No, because this is I, an important one for me. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, I, I, is the infield in or, in or back? Infield's in. Infield in, line drives, you always see it through. You can score okay. anyway. It's con- It's never contact up and go. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. It's Both always good. Low huh? line drive. I'm going to say low line drive, you go. But if that yeah, ball is I mean, hit with some low- lift, then you got to get back. Well, obviously, you're not going to run forward on, on, a, no, on, no, a fly ball hit to, on a fly ball hit the left field. But yeah. – Typically, the rule of thumb is contact down is the play. You're not going to get doubled up on a fly ball. You're going to you're going to do no. a sack. You're going to do a sack fly and tag up and go. But how how I've seen it done and how we do it is contact down. Any ball hit on the ground, whether it's hit to the third baseman or pitcher, if it's late in the game, like you said, and we need that run and we're taking a shot, we're only going to go if it's contact down. Anything else, fly ball, line drive, we're coming back. Um, yes. See, with and, me, I, I'm okay with that line drive. You go. If I say, "Hey, we're going contact play," just because I think because we're just trying to take a chance. You know, what I'm saying that's just where I fall on that. Yeah, so, yeah. But I agree with you. You know, and then and then the last bit, the, the last important piece here, I think, on on third base is the sack fly. And one of the things that drives me absolutely crazy when I see it is runner will come back to the bag, right? Balls hit to left field, and he's looking forward at home plate. And he's relying on his third base coach to say go. And I'm completely against it because by the time that third base coach sees the catch made in left field, let's just say, and for the time he opens his mouth, for the time the base runner hears it, processes it, and then decides to actually run, we just lost very valuable time. So I always tell my guys, even at a younger age, you use your eyes. You see the ball. When the guy catches it, you go. And, uh, you know, I, 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 let's hear your take on it, and then I think we'll wrap up for tonight. We'll wrap up. Yeah, tag, when you're tagging up from third, uh, like, like you said, you know, ball hit foul territory the other side, you know, you always keep your head and chest to the ball. Um, uh, I remember we were taught that um, as soon as the guy makes contact with the ball, as he, he doesn't have to catch it. As soon as it touches, touches him or the glove, you go. 
know, that's what we were always taught because you don't necessarily need to catch it. Uh, let's say he, it hits his glove and pops out and then he catches it on the second time and you've already taken off. You're actually good, believe it or not. Um, I think and that's he, the rule. I'm pretty sure. Yep. That is the rule. Do you, do you want your third base saying go and the base runners looking home or do you want the base runners being able to make that decision when to go? I think the player's eyes are better than my – because it takes an extra second or half a second for me to say go. Exactly. You know? Okay, good. So. Yeah. Hey, man, listen, we tackled a, a what we thought was going to be a fairly quick, simple, <laughs> simple uh, talk, went into somewhat of a, a debate, um, uh, yeah. some different viewpoints, some different strategies, but a lot of really, really good information, you know, Base running is how teams can win games, and base running is a way for you as a player to stay in the lineup and make an impact on your team's ability to win the game. So, George, this was awesome stuff, man. I feel like we're gonna get we're gonna get a lot of questions and a lot of criticism on some of the things we said here tonight. We might have to come back and talk base running again. Yeah, well, I want to talk contact play versus contact again because I think. I think there's a difference and I think there's a certain age of when you can actually teach the difference between the two. It's a little bit more complicated um, than we made it out to be, uh, but we'll, we'll dive into that one. And uh, we're going to, we're uh, going to, we're going to run a poll. We're going to run a poll and we're going to ask, is it contact down or just contact? Um, well, situation dictates. Remember I said one say, out versus one, no outs. And it's obviously late in the game. And, you know, yep. I just think if, if it's you're not gonna you're not gonna sprint forward on a line drive you're you're gonna go back I just that's drive. why it, that's why it's contact down uh, once that ball no. hits the ground you go you're not yeah. gonna just you're just not just gonna take off on a low no, line drive but hey we're gonna we're gonna feel it out we're gonna you know we're gonna continue this conversation for for another month just on this one play but that's why that that's why this is great you're getting real insight and real information and different viewpoints so George last word brother. Um, hope everybody's out there, out there is doing good and enjoying this uh, postseason. I actually kind of like the format and, um, you know, we'll talk about that another day, but I, I'm actually kind of digging the format. I just wish it was five games instead of three. Uh, but I think it's a really cool thing that Major League Baseball is doing. It's been fun to watch. It has been. So great, great stuff as always, brother. And um, I'm sure we'll be back real soon. All right, sweetie, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening and make sure to subscribe and leave a rating for our podcast and check back for the next episode of Coaching Confidential.